What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode five of the Trench Warfare podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thorne. You can follow me at Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL. And today I have a special interview for you guys with New Orleans Saints left tackle Teron Armstead. I'm not going to talk a lot prior to that interview because I have another special episode planned for you this week. I'm actually headed to the NFL Combine tomorrow, and I'm going to be hosting a podcast live from the Combine with another special guest where we're actually going to be talking about some prospects and a little bit more about about that and just the draft process and things like that. So if you want to hear more about the Combine, just stay, stay tuned to the Trench Warfare podcast because that's going to be coming out at some point this weekend, most likely, if not sooner. So that's definitely on the docket. And for now, let's go straight into this interview with Teron Armstead. I think you're really going to enjoy this. I got a lot of background information on him for you guys, so you can really gain insight into to who he is, into his story. And we talked in a lot of detail about about his career so far and about matchups and, and different things like that, film study. So I think you're really going to enjoy that. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there's no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork, or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family, and in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's ethos, E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com, getethos.com. All right, everybody, I'm here with Saints left tackle Teron Armstead. He's coming off a second-team All-Pro season in 2018. He really had a great year, and we talked earlier in the season for a piece I did for USA Football, and we talked about how important the uh, having the offseason was to, to the season that he just had in 2018. So we'll talk a little bit more about that, but first, uh, Teron, how are you doing, and how's the offseason going? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's been great. been pretty smooth so far. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm getting ready to actually head to the Combine for the first time tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to getting over there and, and networking and just kind of seeing how it all works. It's quite an experience. It's pretty busy, a lot a lot going on in a, a three-, four-day span. Yeah, for sure. And we'll we'll talk about the Combine and your experience there in a little bit, but I wanted to just first start with how you got to Arkansas Pine Bluff. I, I know that you were – you went to high school in Illinois, and you were a track athlete as well as a football player. I believe you won the, the state championship in the discus. And, you know, so what were sports part of why you went to Arkansas Pine Bluff, or was it education, a little bit of both? Kind of what took you down that path? Um, yeah, I played I played high school ball in, in southern Illinois at Cahokia High School. And um, my high school head coach, went to Arkansas Pine Bluff, so that, that's that's where the, a lot of connection was from. And uh, I was doing sport in high school. I did football and track. I had won the state of Illinois 
uh, my senior year in shot put, yes, sir. So I went in and further doing both sports at Arkansas Pine Bluff. That was one of the few schools that would let me do both. Um, so I, I did football and I did track for three years at uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. And uh, it was great. It was a great experience. Uh, played against some really good talent. We didn't play many big schools. Probably the biggest school we played was UTEP. Uh, maybe my sophomore year. Uh, as far as track, though, we we always went to the to the top track meets, the, all the big schools, SEC schools, the big things. So I got a chance to compete against the, the top um, athletes in the country in, in track pretty much every week. So coming out of high school, were you like how big were you, and did you have other offers? Because it seems like with your size and your athleticism that. You you might have been heavily recruited or not. I'm not really sure how that process went. So did you have a lot of other options, or were you just kind of drawn there because of the head coach connection and, and the track thing? Uh, I wasn't too familiar with the process myself, and uh, that, that may have had something to do with it. Um, I had some, some buzz from some bigger schools, but I just never really knew how to, to keep that line of connection going. And we wasn't um, fortunate enough to really have – fam, uh, great fam, or uh, statistics, analytics, and all that good stuff to, to kind of push us and get us get our name out as much as some other schools. Um, so I, went, I, I signed. I just really wanted to go to college, honestly, and, and do both sports if I was able to. So Arkansas Pine Bluff was school to allow me to do that, and I just signed. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's... It's interesting how sometimes players that are really talented can slip through the cracks like that and get to a smaller school, but you know that's kind of where scouting comes in, and the you know scouts in the NFL they take pride in finding players like you at smaller schools, which is is pretty cool because you know you wound up going to the combine, and obviously scouts were on to you by that point for you to get that invite from Arkansas Pine Bluff, which not a lot of guys really go to the Combine from there. So they obviously were looking at you, and then you get to the Combine and you run the fastest 40-yard dash in, in NFL history, really, for offensive linemen at a 4.71. So I, I know when that happened, as somebody who was paying attention to the draft a little bit at the time, it was just like a it was just crazy because, you, you know, we had never seen anything like that. And I believe you were 306 pounds at the time, too. So it's not like you were, you know, super light or anything. So did you train pretty hard for the, the 40? Uh, did you have, did you rely on some of maybe your track experience in that or track connections or anything like that? And, and just how was the combine for you overall? Um, yeah, my, my track background helped for sure. You know, we, are, we always were kind of known for being a speed school or speed town. Um, my high school head track coach won, like, man, 10 state championships. So it was it was crazy. So uh, we were always, like, known for, for speed, even the big guys. I, I had some big guys on my team or even before me that was running like that, and, and no telling, they might would have broke my record if, if they would have got a chance to go to the combine before me. But uh, I was just fortunate and, and blessed enough to have that opportunity to, to do so. And I trained down at, uh, it's called uh, Exos now, but it was Athletes Performance Institute down in Pensacola, Florida, 
back when I was coming out. So um, we had a great class, great class, great athletes. Um, Jamie Collins was one of the guys I used to compete against a lot. Oh, and wow. He was, he's such a freak athlete. His, um, yeah, the broad jump. Was like something. Yeah, his broad jump was crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we had a ton of athletes down there, and we, we really pushed each other and competed against each other. Um, our coach was Anthony Hopgood. I, mean, I think he's still down in Pensacola training guys, and, and they have they send a great combine class every year uh, up to Indy. Yeah, for sure. I think everybody or most people have heard of Exos at this point, but it's cool that it's just a cool environment. I'm sure it's awesome that you guys compete together, and make you make each other better, and it's it's very cool that you were there with Jamie Collins, who is also well-known in combine history. I believe he, at the time, had the broad jump record. I think it was like 11-7 or something like that. It was crazy for a linebacker. But, but yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. And then, you know, after the combine... I think Byron Jones... Oh, go ahead. I think Byron Jones broke it probably yeah. a year or two later, and he trained at the same spot. Oh, we, okay. Uh, so we was talking to Byron while he was training because we used to go back and train in Pensacola every offseason. Yeah, yeah, Byron Jones did break. I think he broke, he, he won over 12. I think his was close to the world record or something like that, from what I remember. Wow. Was, it was crazy. It was definitely within a couple inches or so, or if, if he didn't break it himself, I'm not sure. But, yeah, that's, that's crazy explosive ability by all you guys. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to go now to, like, you know, getting to the Saints. You got drafted in the third round. And in 2013, you got to play towards the end of the year, and you actually played in the playoffs, you know, right off the bat as a rookie late in the year after, I believe, you started two regular season games. You played in six, but you started the final two at left tackle and then went into the playoffs and played a couple games. What was it like for you as a rookie going from a smaller school like that and then getting to New Orleans and actually playing in the playoffs as a rookie? Uh, it was it was a tough transition, in all honesty. Uh, just the demand from day to day, uh, the talent level, the, the intensity of of being at the at the highest level with the best athletes in the world. So the, that's probably the hardest part for rookies is the every day having to bring it. You know, when some days in college you kind of stood out as, as being one of the better guys or one of the best guys on the team. Your talent and level and ability would take over uh, more so than not. Right. Just having that sense of urgency every day in the NFL for so long, like you, your rookie year, you finish your um, season and then you go to all-star games and then you combine training, you go to combine and you pre-draft process and you're doing pro days and then you come, you get drafted and then you go into off-season workouts and you go to OTAs, minicamp. And it's just a really long year, that rookie year, like it's, from the last year in college to the end of your rookie year is extremely long, so that's the toughest. That's the tough part of it. It's a grind uh, for that for your rookie year. But once you finish that transition, is is a lot smoother. I won't say it get easier. It's a lot smoother because you know what to expect. You get an off season, so you actually get a chance to get away and reflect on the game and understand the game. So from year one to two, I think is the, the biggest time to, to try to make a jump. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, really, it's a full-time job and you're a professional at that point. So I can imagine the 
the adjustment is, is, is rough for a lot of guys, but I know that relying on coaches and fellow teammates and things like that is important. And I'm just thinking about the room, the offensive line room that you were a part of there as a rookie. You had guys like Jari Evans and Zach Streif. So you had veterans in there. What was it like being in that room? And did those guys teach you a lot of things that you still carry with you to this day in your career? And you know, just how was that being in, inside that environment? It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. The experience, the, the greatness from those guys, um, champions. Uh, it was it was amazing. I, I credit um, Jari, Zach, Ben Grubbs, Jonathan Goodwin. Like I, I, I credit those guys for, you know, making me the, the player I am and being a big part of the man I am today. Uh, they taught me so much. They accepted me like day one. It was crazy. Um, me and Jari, me and Ben just got extremely close real fast. Me and Zach, you know, still talk all the time today. We're just really close friends. And uh, those guys just embraced me and, and taught me so much of the game. Um, Zach would stay off the practice with me. Jari, the same way. Playing next to Ben was uh, incredible. His, uh, man, his ability to pass off stunts was like, was outrageous. I could I could pass that as, as aggressive as I wanted to on the defensive end because if it was a any type of TE game, Grubbs was gonna put the guy in front of me. Like it was it was crazy. He was a he's a great player, and uh, just those guys get. A, I, I have to give them a lot of credit for molding me into uh, the player and I am today. Yeah, Ben Grubbs was really underrated. I think he, he started over 100, 120 games in his career, so he was he was a mainstay for a long time in Baltimore and, and in New Orleans and finishing in Kansas City. So that's that's a cool name to throw out there and talk about a little bit because his career kind of passed and people didn't really talk about it a lot, but he was definitely one of the better guards, really, of the last you know decade or so. So. Yeah, he was pretty underrated. But yeah, you you mentioned earlier about how important the off season is for you and I I know that now part of the process for you at least in the off season is training with a guy like, you know, Duke Mannyweather who is a is a mutual friend and somebody who does a lot of work with offensive linemen and in the off season for you now at least at this point in your career, can you talk about a little bit what you focus on? in the off season and just the importance of that and maybe how you came in contact with the Duke as well? I mean, the NFL season is, is so taxing on the body, so on the, on the mind too. It's like it's physical, it's, it's violent. So uh, beginning of the off season, I try to just take time to, to get healthy, heal up, and reflect on the year. Uh, unfortunately for us, the way it ended, it was pretty, pretty painful, pretty – traumatic yeah. honestly to, to myself other players the fans the city so this one was has been a, a tough go um as far as the off season but uh just take time to get healthy and then i try to make the, my most improvements in my game in the off season it's kind of you kind of learn during the season watching film and, and making adjustments with certain players while you while you break it down film but getting better as far as like getting stronger in the right areas, um, getting getting smarter, becoming smarter. You can break down film that has nothing to do with actual game plan. You can 
watched guys that's done it before and, and done it at a high level. So the off season is extremely uh, valuable for, for myself. I try to, to to make the most out of my off season. Um, Duke reached out to me a couple times, uh, just just via social media, like conversation or whatever. And uh, a lot of guys that I trained with before or just knew in the in the league, they start calling me and texting me to come down and, and just you know give it a shot, try it out. And I uh, came down and was extremely impressed with Duke immediately. Uh, his knowledge, his, his demeanor, the way he approaches it, and the way he respects guys, treat guys, and uh, just looking for everybody to get the absolute best from him. Uh, the group of guys that were already down there just uh, fit in immediately. I trained with some of them um, in Pensacola, like pre-draft. So uh, it was just a smooth transition, and I, I mean, I fell in love with the the, the whole process, uh, just everyone, everyone there, the training, uh, Pat, Brendan, the guy that that does the body work and the FST. Um, so the whole the whole organization was just it was just perfect for me, and I'm blessed to have uh, found that because I feel like my last off season was the most productive for me, getting healthy, getting stronger in the right areas. Yeah, that's that's huge having a, a guy who played offensive line himself collegially, coached it with strength and conditioning, and just having somebody who's a specialist in that area on top of being as knowledgeable as knowledgeable as he is about the human body. So that's huge. I'm I'm just grateful too that offensive linemen have that because there's not a lot of resources out there that are tailored specific to offensive lines. So that's that's really cool to hear. So moving to the next thing that I really wanted to, to touch on before I let you go, and you know, I'm kind of taking up some of your, more of your time than I wanted to, but I appreciate you doing this again. The, the next thing really, yeah, for sure. And the next thing is in the actual season in 2018, I mean, the 10 starts that you had, you were arguably, maybe not even that arguable, honestly, the best left tackle in the NFL. And some of the matchups that you had were were awesome. I mean, I remember one that stood out to me was against Dante Fowler with the Rams. That was, in my opinion, one of your best games. But is there a certain game that stood out to you the most from your past season, whether it was in the in those first games or in the playoffs, and a matchup that you you know you'll go back to and watch and either see what you did right, see what you did wrong, that you can learn from, anything like that? Um, yeah, I, I like to, to reflect on, on, on each one of them. This this was such a fun year, so a lot of the games that uh, were the, the best games to me probably wasn't even like my best personal performance. You know, we just had so much fun fun this year as a team, winning a lot of games. Uh, but I would have to say my best personal, like, overall game was uh Baltimore. Baltimore had a had a really really good game. Um pass pass protection for sure. Uh well, I guess a a great D line, a great defense. Um those guys were rotating and, and productive. They Terrell Suggs, still one of the best in the league, all future Hall of Famer. We played them in two thousand and fourteen, I believe it was. And uh, that was the worst game of my career. The worst game of my career was against the Baltimore Ravens. It was like 2014. I had like the stomach virus the day before, and 
I went out and had the worst game of my career. So this year, I wanted that to be the best game of my career to kind of make up for the uh, performance in, in 2014. Like, I kind of pride myself on that. If I get beat or anything, I mean, it happens. Everybody's going to get beat at some point. You know, the best athletes in the world. If I get, if I get beat or have a bad game or, or anything like that, I, I definitely keep track and I try to my next opportunity, whether it's the next play or the next game against whoever that is or whatever team that is, I, I'm looking to have a, a standout performance, like my best performance, best game, and, and completely lock in, hone in to try to make that happen. So I think Baltimore was probably my my best one. So somebody like Terrell Suggs, you bring him up, I think that's interesting. A lot of people, I think, at least – you know, media-wise, look at Terrell Suggs now and just maybe don't appreciate his game as much, but he's a lot like a guy like Julius Peppers last year. Guys that are Hall of Fame-type players that are at the end of their career, they may not be quite as productive as they were in their prime, but they're still able to win on any given rep. And could you talk a little bit about why that is? I I think it has something to do with how crafty they are and just how much they've seen and things like that, but with Terrell Suggs specifically, is there just something about his game, a technique or something that he does that that made him especially difficult to go against? He's extremely smart. He's a, 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 a cerebral player for sure. He's intelligent. He, he understands, like, looks, and he uh, he's really, really good at getting a feel for the office alignment. If you feel like you're leaning one way or the other, He's extremely – he does that extremely well. Uh, I mean, you watch him – you watch him on film this year, and he hasn't slowed that. Like, it's, it's unbelievable. I was watching this film before we played him, and it's unbelievable to see how much juice he has. He doesn't look like he slowed down. It, it was – it was actually, it was phenomenal to, uh, to see him. You know, he's year 14 or something like that, but he still has a lot of juice. Uh, his hands are really – he's really good with his hands, and that's what I struggled against him with in 14 uh, was the hand swipes. He just kept kept swiping at me. Um, and then his ability to, to freelance, you know, some, sometimes I know exactly what a D lineman's uh, responsibility is. we got outside contain or he's about to slant inside and somebody else has outside contain. I can get a good feel for that in, in a lot of cases. But with him, he can do anything. He has the the freedom to do whatever he wants. So that that makes a guy even tougher to block. Um, and not many guys get that freedom. Um, Aaron Donald has that. JJ Watt, um, Cam Jordan. He can he can pick a gap. You know he can wrong get out of his gap and then end up making the play. Um, right. Puts a lot of stress on the rest of the defense. I mean, you you got guys that's consistently making up for it and making that play. Defensive coordinators and coaches, you know, they they give him that freedom. So he's a guy that has that. He could be no one outside of him, and he is slant inside. Like, <laughs> makes no sense uh, systematically, but he does it, and then he wins. Right. Yeah, that's in, that's such a good point that I don't know that I I think about enough is some of these guys who really have the tenure that somebody like him does. He has 213 career starts, obviously like 130 sacks or something like that. So 
that guy's been around forever and he's the mainstay of the defense and and like you said other guys like that that are kind of in that similar role it's it's really interesting how you know I think it's important when you're watching film of these guys too to, to consider that if you're trying to evaluate them like yeah this guy actually has free reign out there and just kind of the benefit that 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 allows for and then what that does for you you know really he's so unpredictable you know so I think that's that's a great right. point that's the toughest game that's the toughest game you, got, you want to get somebody that has free range because they they um no you you understand if you've been playing football long enough you understand gap discipline you understand like uh the structure of the defense and just like literally not even a corner outside of this man he has outside the game. Like that's not a secret. Right. So you can block up as such, but with a guy like Terrell Such you can because even even still he'll go inside but he has the recoverability to make the play if if the play is in fact coming outside. So that's the toughest games to, to prep for uh as far as film study. Yeah, definitely and that's that's such good insight, man. Everything that you provided us there, all that stuff. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are going to enjoy this, so I don't want to take any more of your time. I just want to thank you for for all of this, and I'm sure we'll talk again. But until then, you know, best of luck the rest of your off season, and you know, we can't wait to watch you in 2019. I appreciate it, Brandon, for real. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Teron Armstead. I have a lot of interviews and fun topics planned for the rest of this offseason, but getting Teron Armstead on here was awesome. He's a, he's a really great guy, somebody that I actually got to spend time with in person at the Offensive Line Masterminds event last summer in Dallas. So he is, it was just a blessing to be able to have him on and, and talk to him more and really uncover some of what he has gone through in his career and some of the details because I think that's so important for us to hear to to really gather context on, into who these players are as as people and to hear the stories about their career I think are beneficial for all of us to hear so I hope you guys enjoyed that one and as I mentioned prior to the interview starting I'm heading to the combine tomorrow so I'll be in Indianapolis and I'm going to record an interview in a podcast from there as well. So stay tuned for that to get some notes and takes from me on some of these prospects that I've been watching for you guys. I've gotten through quite a few tapes since our last show. So I have, you know, some players that I want to talk about with you guys. And I think that's going to be a really cool episode to actually bring it to you from the combine. So again, just thank you for listening to the trench warfare podcast. Please rate review subscribe all of those things really help us out and i really appreciate that and i just want to say thank you to blue wire for hosting this and until next time i'll talk to you later